What's up, filmmakers and moviegoers? I'm Zach, and... This is Eric. There he is. This is episode... I don't know. I don't know the number anymore. 25. 25. 25. Dude, 25. Wow, we're a quarter that's, away to 100. That's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, on today's episode, we're going to be talking mostly about uh, NAB 2019. Yes. Some stuff that we saw. Uh, but before we get into that, what have you been? Uh, what have you been working on? What have you been watching? What have you been doing? Okay, well, I was inspired by your talk last week, and I went and saw Shazam. Yes, and it was well, it was better than we expected. Yes, you and you, the way you described it was perfect. It was la- <laughs> it was lacking in the CGI department. Yes, um, there were some moments of uh, some cheddar cheese, very cheese, and um, but it was it was fun. It I was, think that was the word yeah, that you used. It is, and yeah. it, it feels even though it's cheesy, it feels kind of wholesomey because because you just every once in a while you enjoy a cheesy movie like like I love Jingle All the Way which is nothing but a terrible cheese ball of a movie yeah but it makes you feel good like warm I don't know it's like a nice cup of hot cocoa or something yeah I mean it kind of had a home alone-ish feel to that it that Christmas yeah, theme yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's very it's, yeah. it's borderline 90s cheese and like John Hughes you know yeah yeah yeah. Uh, but overall, I still think it's one of the better DC movies. To it come it, out. it was it yeah. was okay. And here's so my daughter and I, my twelve year old movie buddy, she we walked out and we we looked at each other and we we're like that was that was better than we expected. Yeah, and uh, which was which is really cool. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it's a fun movie. I think I think it deserves to be seen. Oh, okay. So what really inspired me to go see it besides your description of it um was that DC aka well wasn't really DC it was that Warner Brothers mm-hmm. sent out this trailer for Aquaman oh. 2 and totally trolled everybody yeah <laughs> which i was like I thought that was funny, and I thought it was cool, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go see it. Yeah, it deserves your money now. Then. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, oh, I, remember seeing I see that, what you did there. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing it, and it was funny because they released, they put that troll trailer online. It was like the day after Shazam came out. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, well, maybe there is an Aquaman 2 super teaser in uh-huh. front of Shazam because sure. I hadn't seen it yet at the time. And uh, so I'm looking at it, and I'm like, no, because I knew that production hadn't even started yet. Yeah, on it, so it's like, what is this going to be? Just like the logo animation. So then I click on, it and then the graffiti pops up, and yeah, yeah, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. good job. Yeah, it was funny because yeah. we had just talked about that, and I saw, I, you know, I get the notification, I got all those notifications turned on for yeah. those types of things. And the notification came through and I was like, Aquaman two, what? Okay. Not that I'm <laughs> excited about. Yeah, yeah. Not that I'm excited about Aquaman two. Let's just be clear. Yeah. Uh, but, but it kind of baffles I'm you. Like, You're like, yeah, wait, I'm this, like, this quick. And, yeah. I was like, yeah. Cause it's okay. not coming out for like another two years. And then I went back and looked at where the post came from and it was Warner studios, Brazil. Interesting. Yeah. Which was, I'm like, uh, yeah, I know, so this they, is they, an official they outlet. Dug it real, yeah. yeah. Okay, this is an official that's outlet. Smart, but <laughs> that's smart though. That's pretty good. Yeah, it was yeah. funny. Well, what else did you see? You saw some something else. Oh yeah. So uh, last night we went to the ten thirty p.m. showing of Little, um, 
why we went so late. I don't know. I don't know for was that movie, so, especially. Yeah, I was so <laughs> tired. Well, we went, we were going to go earlier, but the theater that we were going to go in was pretty full and we wanted better seats. Okay. And we weren't really ready to leave at that point anyway. So we went to a different theater that had better seats. Yeah. Like we, you know, and so I'm like, ah, I'm good. I, I usually go to bed late, so it doesn't phase me yeah, that yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. I see you on Instagram posting at like 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah. You got to sleep more, man. But um, little is, uh, it's like a 13 going on 30, right? In reverse, yeah. Oh, okay, so right. The, the the woman is like this really crass, bitter, you know, CEO of this marketing firm. And um, there's a little backstory, you know, she got bullied as a little kid and, and the whole thing. And then um, without giving them any spoilers, if anybody's going to see it, and she has this altercation where she then wakes up and she's 13 years old. Right. And so it's 13 going on 30 in reverse. Yeah. But you were saying the, the actress that plays the 13 year old is great. Yeah. She does a fantastic job. Yeah. I forget what her name is. Um, but she's, um, she's actually that age. She's actually 14. Yeah. And she plays on that show Blackish, right. and she just knocked it out of the park. And she's an executive producer on this. That's film. crazy. Yeah, which it's like she's, I, w- I wonder if that is the youngest ever. Like I wonder if like Shirley Temple or something years ago maybe did one when oh, she was yeah. like ten or something. Yeah, perhaps. She, I mean, because she was making you know millions of dollars back then, at least in that equivalent, uh, you know, exchange. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's crazy. A 14 year old executive producer on a film that you're starring in as well. I mean, that's, that's, uh, yeah, you've peaked. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like that, that's, that's so incredible to think of, um, in, in, in today's society that it's not just, you know, um, a bunch of older people producing this. This is actually produced by the child actor in it. Yeah, Marsai Martin. Marsai Martin. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I had that I haven't checked out Blackish. I hear it's it's pretty funny though, but it's just something I haven't gotten. This is again too much TV. Yeah, too much. To it, oh, so. speaking of too much, Uh-oh. Disney Plus coming at you. I know. Did you see the price? No, I didn't. It's only six ninety nine. That's just a hook. I'm in. That's just they a got hook. me. They're gonna get. I'm, I mean, I'm it, got, like well, Netflix it was, was five ninety nine yes, in the beginning. Yes, it was, and they got me there. And yeah, now I'm paying, and now yeah, thirteen. Yeah, or whatever the bump's gonna be next month. I, I I don't know, but I don't care. They they know they're they gonna know. get. They're gonna get if you it gets at the to under 20, ten bucks. If it gets to twenty, I mean, if Netflix ever gets to twenty, I'll probably cancel it because there's not really enough on Netflix that I'm watching now. Uh, I find out. They're, I find that I'm actually watching more on Hulu. Oh, okay. Lately, um, which is understandable. I mean, it's got five different TV networks on it. Right, it makes sense. Um, but I'm definitely getting Disney Plus. I thought this was going to be a fifteen or twenty dollar a month thing. Right, six ninety nine. That's it, right up my alley. It I don't, will be. They can raise it up to you know twelve or fifteen after a couple of years. That's fine. That's the plan. But then I'm going to cut like. But that's what I'm going to do, and that's what everyone's going to do. Well, and then there will be another it refresh of streaming, and we'll see what happens then. You know. Yeah. The, the, and we we go back and forth on this thing the whole uh, you know quite often regarding all these streaming platforms. So and many. There's just going to be more, and there's going to be a paywall behind it, and yeah. um, it's just cable again. 
it it, it is know, cable all over again because these networks are, are scrambling trying to figure out creative yeah. new ways of how to monetize you know their their content yeah and, and, and the, the downside is that you have to pay for an internet that can support it right to give you the highest quality you know yep. bit rate and speeds and so i'm paying you know 95 bucks a month same on top of 11.99 for hulu yep 12 or 13.99 whatever it's going up to for netflix HBO is luckily included in my AT&T cell phone. So, you know, I don't really pay for that anymore. But yeah, I mean, I'm now up to a hundred and what, $40, you yeah. know, and it's like, I'm I mean, almost I'm back not, at cable now. I'm not paying for Netflix because of the T-Mobile deal. Oh, right. But, and, and that's my, th this is my, my hope for the future is that we have more of those types Bundle of partnership yes. deals. Yeah. And so, you know, they'll. They'll be like, okay, well, right. because you have this, it includes da 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 da. da. So, I mean, I hate, I hate the idea of companies buying out other companies so much because that's what happened. AT and T bought out Time Warner. Yep. And or the other way around, I can't remember. But um, and so now because HBO is a Time Warner company, you know, it's included in my AT and T, which is great for the customer, but at least financially, but, you know, content-wise, everybody being owned by three companies sucks. Yeah. Like, Disney owning... I, the lineup is incredible for Disney Plus, though, because they were I, they were talking about they're going to have, like, over... I think it was, like, I don't know, 600 television shows, thousands of movies. Like, I mean, they're putting the entire 20th Century Library on this thing. Well, and then watch out... Watch out for uh, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime that currently have any Disney products on them. Right. It's going to be dropping off. Yeah. Um, which Hulu is actually owned by Disney as well. Because Hulu, uh, some people might not be familiar, but Hulu is actually a um, joint venture between uh, Disney Corporation, uh, NBC, no, NB, yeah, NBC, which is Comcast, and w whatever the other one is. Uh, well, it CBS, was Fox. Or Fox. It was, it was Fox, Fox. Right? And but actually, one of my previous bosses is actually was part of creating. Oh, Hulu. really? That yeah. launch? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a really interesting idea. I mean, it was, I guess, eight years ago when it launched or whatever, but now it's like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and because everybody's leaving, creating their own. And then now that Disney owns Fox, they own the majority stake in Hulu, which is interesting because why, you know, you do that and then you go and create Disney Plus, are you still going to do Hulu? Like, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad idea for them to still stick with Hulu because now you're making kind of, you know, you're you're sticking your two hands in the cookie jar. Right. Um, because not everybody's going to jump on Disney Plus, but more, you know, people will stay with Hulu because there's yeah. other options there. So you're yeah. getting a chunk of that too. But um, yeah, Disney Plus, I mean... The, the Mandalorian, which is the Star Wars, which we're going to get to another Star Wars thing in a second, mm -hmm. um, looks uh, cool, I think. And the, I, I'd really like the idea behind the Mandalorian. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be anthology episodes, but the, um, the crews for each episode are different. I mean, it's, that's typical with TV. But they're like John Favreau's directing an episode. Taika Waititi's directing an episode. Bryce Dallas Howard directed an episode of Mandalorian. So they're getting kind of these big names and kind wow. of unconventional. I mean, Bryce Dallas Howard, I think, has directed something before, but um, unconventional directors to do these. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's a singular story that goes from, you know, episode one to whatever, but um, not an anthology like Black Mirror or something like that. Yeah. Which, that, would be, that would be kind of a cool idea to do these anthology Star Wars things if you're going to already have sets built and and 
prop designers and stuff like that made up. Sure. Start introducing these anthology series um, and, and have smaller, smaller stories. Yeah. Um, I think that's what that'll keep me interested in Star Wars because um, then let's just get to it. Episode nine trailer released and I just don't care. That, I, yeah. I, see, I that's the thing care. that's I know that's the you know, it's funny because Disney's, you know, before with Star Wars, the the um, <clears throat> before Solo anyway. Yeah. Uh, it was you know, how do they measure success by, you know, is by, by the box office, mm-hmm. but the, the success that they need to measure this one with is, is really more, can you reunite a splintered star Wars audience? Because yeah. you've kind of killed the audience. Yeah. Um, and, and I, mm, yeah, it's tough because it was like, I, I watched the trailer and it was like, Okay, I mean, I J.J. Abrams is doing his best. Yeah, I will say that I think he knows how to shoot a shot, like he, his he composition does. and stuff, and framing. And I love the way that J.J. Abrams films. Yeah, I, I mean, him. It's the same cinematographer from The Force Awakens. Yeah, and um, I, I, I think it's gonna look a lot better than The Last Jedi did, at least. But it's such an uphill battle. It is like he like. It, it the success of this movie is not going to be measured by box office. Yeah, the, even if it has a great box office return, what what the success of the movie is, whether or not it truly is successful or not, is is it does it have the the power to to bring back and yeah. reunify right. the the Star Wars fans? Yeah, um, on this because. I've been a f- I I've watched the original Star Wars in the theater. I've I know, been a I'm very fan. jealous of that. I played with the the the, the toys and the toys. action yeah, figures right. and the Hasbro yeah. stuff and and you know and I had the X wing. I had the Tie Fighter. Yeah. I had the Millennium Falcon. I, like you're talking to, I couldn't have been more immersed into Star Wars culture. I have an Obi Wan outfit, and yeah. and the, and you and wore I, it opening dra- night, Force I, Awakens. I, yeah. I, yes, I mean yeah. so. Yes, I'm full geek. Yeah, but it's in the so, it's in the description of our episode. Yeah, so disenchanted <laughs> yeah. with with the Star Wars franchise now that Disney has decided to. You know, try to monetize it is in everywhere. In, yeah, I want mean, I mean, to. I want to speak into this real quick because there is. I, I do want to say that there is a there is a side of the, um, the last Jedi, that was very toxic in in the in their in their uh, review of it, and and I I I am not in that boat. I am not of the thought that um, the actress that played Rose's character ruin the film or anything like that. Um, my, my issue comes from just, um, poor character decisions and then also not sticking to like the rules created in that universe. I'm a very big believer in the rules that you set for the universe. You stick to those. And it's kind of like, you need to have a, a, a Bible for your, your movie or your characters and, and they need to kind of live by that. Now there's ways to change that and to turn it around and, you know, um, and that that makes it interesting and true to the characters, right. you know. Still, um, but I I had a lot of problems just with um, sloppy filmmaking. It felt like and um, kind of what the what moments in the Last Jedi, and that yeah. that's what really turned me off to anything of it. 
Um, but the other side of it is this toxic, you know, reviewer, toxic fan base that's just like they just hating on everything. I mean, hating on the women cast and hating on and I'm not about that. I'm yeah. I'm I'm looking at it from a completely filmmaking standpoint. Yep. Um but you bring up a really good point is the monetization of Star Wars. It 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 was way too much. Yeah. When I mean when the Force Awakens came out, there was salad bags with uh um what's the what's the robot? I can't BB eight. Salad mm-hmm, bags with BB eight yeah. and cuties with BB eight. And I'm like when Well, you, and those what were those like Furby little things? Yeah. Uh, uh the not was it Furbies? No. Because they the, came back no, out. I don't know. No, but they Oh gosh, the little oh, the Hatchimals or something. What, what, what the heck were those things called? What are you I talking do? about? Those on the island with the, oh the, oh the, the porgs the porgs the porgs yeah. yes like that was so like in your it's face clearly a, 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 we got to make toys toy. yeah, yeah yeah I mean it wasn't like the Ewoks it didn't feel like the Ewoks where they just needed to crank out more toys the Ewoks felt fleshed out and they, i mean they even did something in return of the sure, Jedi. Yeah. you know they actually took care yeah. of stormtroopers and stuff and they had a plot point and you know yeah it, there was so much that i disliked about the world created in the last jedi or the world changed i guess in the last jedi that it just it completely unimmersed me from from the world of star wars to the point where I started looking at other things and, and really yeah. being turned off by it. So that's kind of where I'm at now. You know, I watched this trailer and I thought, oh, you know, there's some really, there's some cool compositions and visuals, sure. But I just, I wasn't excited. I didn't get goosebumps. When I watched the Force Awakens trailer, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, my childhood all over again. Right. And, you know, I got goosebumps and I didn't get it with this. And that's, to me, that's that. I, I, I will say this, I'm, I'm, I'm adult enough to admit that these movies, they're not for me. Yeah. I can, if I enjoy them, great. That's like me going and enjoying, you know, how to train your dragon or something. It's not, it's not meant for me, right. but I can still appreciate it if it's a good film. Yeah. Um, or Pixar movies the same way, you know, but um, I'm not the targeted audience anymore. Right. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, if I enjoy the film, great. Uh, but I, I, I don't need to make it ruin my life. You know, right, some of these right. guys are <laughs> out there burning their, their Chewbacca toys and you yeah, know, all their VHSs for the original trilogy. And it's like, well, first of all, George had nothing to do with these. Right, so, you yeah. know, what are you doing? It's like, uh, but you know, I, I mean, just, he did make the decision to sell. Yeah. Well, <laughs> wouldn't you? Four point three billion dollars. I, I mean, I, I suppose. I mean, he donated half of that too. I mean, he's yeah. not a bad dude. So no. I, you know, I can't. I this can't isn't a slam on, on, no. on him at all. It's it is funny though how the world has changed its view on George over the last couple of years because it was oh gosh George ruined Star Wars with the prequels and now it's all the last couple of years it's been bring George back like we need George Lucas here and yeah you know you guys hated him 10 years ago what are you talking about like right. he was tired of it then that's why he sold so yeah and you know and i think he took he took a turn he was at a different place in his life you know he had kids yeah. and so he's like okay let me you know and that colored you know his approach and <clears throat> again the 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 hardcore star wars audience and it it is hardcore yeah um didn't just it you know didn't like it and yeah. and had a lot of criticism and and here we are now 10 years down the road with a whole new set of criticism it's just uh yeah so i think i think the the challenge ahead of jj for this particular is is a huge daunting challenge 
Um, I think he's, you know, he's already proven that he can make a great movie. That's not the issue. Oh, yeah. No, there's no doubt. The, the issue is way beyond, you know, it's more a culture-based problem. Yeah, you're, that, you're, now, you're now just fixing the sinking ship. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's crazy because um, getting into kind of the, the, the politics of this, um, you know, Bob Iger, who's the um, president or CEO, I don't, I don't remember what they, what they label him as for, for Disney, um, last week actually came out and said that they're going to take a pretty big break after this. And even in the trailer, it says the saga ends. Yeah. So I'm really curious where they're going to go with this, if this is going to be the end of these episodes. Um, I mean, they've spoilers for the last Jedi and the force awakens. They've, you know, they basically killed off half of the original cast. Sure. So there's not a whole lot left, um, of the, of, you know, of the 1977 cast and crew to come back. Well, we do see, <clears throat> we do see Billy D Williams, Billy D. Making Williams an appearance, which, cool. which was cool. Yeah. And then you hear Palpatine laugh yeah, at the end, uh, which is whatever, you know, <clears throat> and if nobody's really dead, then, because Solo, because uh, uh, Harrison Ford signed a three movie deal and then got killed off in the first one, right? So. And I, I do think that that's probably a likeness thing. Yeah. So in case they like wanted flashbacks. to do a flashback or yeah. a, a Force Ghost or something, yeah. you know, I really do think that's all that is. I mean, the three picture deal thing with Disney and Marvel and DC that's common now. Yeah. I mean, if the only reason you're not signing a three picture or five picture deal is you're working on an indie film now, like right. it's just the norm. Um, even if you're not going to be in it, um, yeah, I'm sure Andy Serkis signed a you know five picture deal as Snoke, but he got killed off. Spoilers. Uh, in the last Jedi, um, on very unceremoniously, but you know, I, but there's this whole other force realm. Yeah, and I just don't know if so they're going to have time to get yeah. into this. This, this is. I this mean, is the my parallel quantum realm, right? The, yeah, I mean, right. You know, I mean, so. what is this Marvel Star Wars now? But that's that's my my issue is now that you've you've introduced, you've basically started it over in the middle movie. Right. It's so like, now what do we do? Do you have to do this in two and a half hours? Do you have to change the story again, salvage the story again, introduce new characters probably, or you're reintroducing old characters that we don't want to see. I wanted new characters. I liked Ray, Finn, and uh, Poe. Yeah. I wanted to see adventures with them. Sure. But even in this in The Last Jedi, they're like, you know, uh, let the past die, kill it if you have to. And that's like such a metaphorical term yep. that they're using and Luke literally dies in The Last Jedi and you know Leia almost dies and Harrison Ford's character is gone you know uh, Han and it's like or were you, were you were you trying to move on or not because now you're bringing <laughs> Palpatine back right it's like there's no I don't know. I feels like a franchise like this should have been planned out so much better, and I don't know why they didn't take a a, a page out of the a Kevin Feige handbook exactly. and plan this out better. Because there was a, um, I th I think JJ uh, in an interview or something recently a couple of days ago said, you know, you know, we went up to George and we really wanted to talk about, it. we really wanted to flesh out how this saga was going to end. And they actually did talk to George Lucas and stuff. I'm like, why why weren't you planning out how this was going to end? eight years ago uh -huh. when you first bought the rights to, you know, everything shouldn't that have been the first step is like, well, cause they don't outline? want it to end. 
I mean, well, you think about the cast, think of it in the, chunks, though. Yeah, I mean that's the way George did it. George thought of it in three chunks. You know, yeah. you had episode four, five, six, episode one, two, three. Each of those ends a certain way that you could watch them individually as a trilogy, and it works. You yeah, don't need the rest of it. This is supposed to be the end. This right. is nine. Seven, and so this eight, is nine. supposed to be the trilogy. This trilogy, and it doesn't feel like the last Jedi. Almost felt like the ending to me. Yeah, like you could have ended if there was like another scene there where something big happened, it would have been the end of this, and it wouldn't yeah, have made exactly, any sense to because, move on because Luke dies. Yeah, and Luke is kind of the beginning. Luke, Luke is the the character that that starts this yeah, whole don't, thing don't off. Get me started on that, and yeah. Anyway, that's where the filmmaking can, falls apart for me. The we, storytelling, yeah. the filmmaking falls apart when yeah, when you have these characters doing things that it, it's not in line with the characters that were established and and. Right, like People Jedi, Jedi and, Master is whiny baby, and Yoda has he, to come back. I mean, and troll I get him. I get that he was always when <laughs> we, when we, he first <laughs> when he first shows up, he's a whiny baby on Tatooine. Yeah, but not at, but not as but a in Return, Jedi Master. In Return of the Jedi, he's a master, exactly, and he and knows he's, what he's doing, and he's and, reverted to whiny baby. At, yeah, and, it, I, yeah. There's an arc. He had an arc <laughs> in four, five, six, and then it's completely abandoned in the Last Jedi. And that's one of the character things that I'm just so frustrated with in that movie. Doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I did enjoy Yoda trolling him, though. It is. I did. It is nice to see Yoda. I would have. <laughs> another thing, you know, it, it's there's so much like fan service in the Last Jedi. It seems like almost even more than the Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. So by having complete puppet yoda that's such a fan service thing that was another thing that i would have you know i'm not an executive at disney but um i'm not even of anywhere near that caliber of filmmaker but i would have suggested you know let's let's morph it a little bit because we are in 20 when that movie come out 2016 2017 whatever um we are in 2017 like let's morph it a little bit let's do puppet Yoda, but let's add some CGI to it because, you know, that was a product of 1980 is the puppet Yoda. It works then, but it doesn't work now. There needs to be a little bit more effort, it feels like, put into it because we're in a different mindset now. We've grown up with different things. Yeah. And it was a a similar issue with um, what we were talking about last week where, um, oh, it was was, um, uh, a Twilight Zone. Right. And I said that that style works for the 1960s, 70s Twilight Zone. Sure. But it doesn't work in 2019. Yeah. And I think you need to take that into account. Like, people are still going to respect that you brought Yoda back if you add a little bit of CGI lips, you know, movement and, and yeah. eye blink and stuff like that. But it just took me out of it because you had all these fantastic looking CGI creatures and fantastic looking real creatures that once i saw you know 40 year old yoda i was like oh this this sticks out like a sore thumb yeah so just another filmmaking thing that just so this episode is rapidly devolving descended into star wars slam yeah well we didn't get we didn't have a podcast when it came out or else it would have been five episodes of that yeah but um i still love love star wars um a lot of it still really excites me um i think you know, um, there's a lot of great artwork and stuff that I just I love looking at. You know, um, I think the Mandalorian will probably be um, a pretty big hit. I think it'll be good. I think I like the idea of serialization. Um, 
in this universe, kind of letting characters develop a little more and being with them longer. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be getting Disney plus. It'll mostly be for Marvel, which, um, a couple Marvel things with that. So there's a Loki TV show, right? Yeah. And then there's a, uh, a winter soldier and I almost said Hawkeye. It's not Hawkeye, but Hawkeye is getting a TV show too. Uh, It's winter soldier and Falcon. Uh, Falcon, Falcon yeah, and yeah. the Winter Soldier. Yeah. That's what it's called. Yeah. Um, and then Black Widow is getting a movie. I think yep. next year it comes out. Um, which they just casted a couple people for that. Rachel Vice and uh, uh, Harbor. I can't think of his first name, but he's the he's the sheriff in um, Stranger Things, and then he was also just in Hellboy. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. which I heard Hellboy is one of the worst comic book movies ever made. So that's it had incredible. A three. Yeah. On- a three rotten tomatoes. Lot, yeah. yeah. It had a tomatoes. Rotten, yeah. Oh my gosh. It, I mean, I read one review and it said it was like sitting through a nightmare and I was like, okay, I'm out. It, the review didn't even make it sound like it was one of those so bad you want to see it movies. Mm-hmm. It just said it was, it was begrudging and awful. And you can't get that two and, hours back. Right. Your life. And, and he, yeah, he just, <laughs> Oh, the, there was this reviewer. Hey, Check out the slash slash film review for Hellboy. It's it's a doozy. Um, but moving on from from movies, let's talk about what we did last week, which was NAB, NAB the NAB show. So National Association of Broadcasters uh, convention in Vegas. They have it every year, it's, aka Gear Fest. Yeah, is the <laughs> biggest. It's the biggest. Yeah, filmmaking and broadcast convention in yeah. the world. I don't think I don't think IBC, IBS, or whatever it is, I, International Broadcasters. No, IBC, IBC. It's like the root beer, but uh, I th- don't think it's as big. And then no. there's also an NAB in New York, but it's not nearly as big. No, it's it's kind of an East Coast. Mm, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you couldn't make it. Right. Yeah. Here's <laughs> some. There's leftovers for you, um, but it's quickly turning into my least favorite convention um, that I'm going to. There are way too many people at it now. Yeah, it was. And there's, there's starting to be less and less film booths. Right, red's, I noticed red's that. not there anymore. DJI, well, well, red, well, red was there. Red has reps and and they yeah, and they had like a secret little. They instead of a booth on the floor, they had like a secret little meeting space upstairs. Yeah. But they weren't they weren't really showing off anything new. I mean, they don't have a whole lot new except for the Ranger, um, which yeah. is a rental only camera. But you know, people don't. I get it. You know, they're well, from they're a, going to Cinegear now. Yeah, and, and that's it what makes DJI sense. is doing it too. It makes sense because Cinegear is really more targeted at the filmmaker. It is only film, yeah. And NAB is more broadcast. It's like in the far name. As, <laughs> yeah, as far as, you know, the the fundamental foundation that which it was built on was right. for the broadcaster. And, yeah. and gear just happens to be a part yeah, of it. Yeah, there wasn't an alternative and, up until a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, and so, you know, the, the film companies... Were we're like, well, we are selling a lot of gear to, to broadcasters, so yep. you know there was an influx of that, and now that now that Cinegear exists, um, you know we're we're seeing let and, and you know it's funny when we're talking to Red because Red doesn't play in the broadcast realm, not a whole lot, no. I mean they're they're considering moving into that direction a little bit, I think mm-hmm. to to you know, earn more market share and yeah, sell, I think, sell I think more NBC's products, which the makes voice, sense. I think NBC's The Voice is the only one that uses red in broadcast. But, uh, but 
you know, even even the gear itself is is not geared towards that particular at this point. Right. Yeah, we'll see because they are so, making these one-off cameras. Yeah. Um I mean they're not one-offs, they're making thousands of them, but they're still they're, they have one purpose. So like the Ranger is purposefully made just for rental houses. The Panasonic DXL is the red yep. sensor in there and it's just made for rental houses cuz Panasonic Sorry, not Panasonic, Panavision. Wow, don't write me. Um yeah, you can only rent that because you can't buy a Panavision. But um, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, especially DJI, which is one of the biggest, I feel like, companies that I, I ever see at NAB. Mm-hmm. Um, they always have a huge presence there, and they weren't even there this no, year. No, they weren't. No reps at all. They're going to be at Cinegear, though. Yeah. Um, and then it's just weird because you had so many people, but it felt like booths were half the size, if if not even smaller than they used to be. Aries yeah, booth the, was so small. The the big booths were still big. Like Sony's, Sony's booth yeah. was big. Black Magic's booth was big. Yeah. Um, Canon's booth was big. Canon's was half the size though. Was it? Yeah, they had a bunch of stuff gone I that didn't... they usually have. It it really? was yeah because we when I went last year I was I was like oh this is huge still. Um, but now it was, yeah, they had like two sections gone that they huh. didn't have, or that they did have last year. So yeah, Airy, Canon, um, I mean, even some of the grip companies had smaller booths. Yeah. Um, I think it's just people, you know, the booth space is extremely expensive at NAB. Yeah. And, and so and I think now they're saving it. Some of the vendors that we met with, they didn't even have a booth. And what they chose to do is, is that they chose to spend their money on a really nice fancy penthouse right. suite and then invite clients there yeah and you know we had a, a private chef with the dinner and you you got to have a lot more focused less distracting sure um less noisy environment to yeah. to hang out and talk about you know your business and what yeah. you're doing and what what the needs are and i mean if you think about it people that are in, you know in those meetings or need to have those meetings they know the gear right they don't need their hands on it they getting the hands on it is um you know I, for the most part it is for the um the smaller guys you know yep. the, the guys that the aren't in yeah the independent guys the the small indie guys that aren't you know constantly surrounded by full million dollar budgets and rental houses and stuff, um, like us. I mean that's that's one reason we went. Yep. Um, because we don't get our hands on this kind of stuff very often, um, and it's nice to see stuff before we need to rent it for a shoot or if we want to buy it. Right. Um, you know there was a couple things that I was really excited to see. One um, was one that that Aerie announced before the event even happened, and it was the Alexa LF Mini. Yeah, the Mini um, LF. Yep. Gosh, that is a dream camera of mine, and it's going to be. I think it's around fifty five thousand dollars. But what what an amazing machine! Um, it's, LF stands for large format, so it's a large format sensor, and just the image quality out of it. Uh, some of the stuff I was seeing, and even just sitting there, and they had an a uh, they had an Aerie uh, anamorphic signature lens on it and it's just beautiful just one of the most beautiful images i've ever seen coming straight out of a camera All right, no let's color talk, let's talk anything. lenses for a second since you bring that oh, up. i can do that hey and because i i did go to the 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 secret red meeting booth and, yeah and we we were talking through that and you know you can talk airy you can talk red you can talk um 
you know, Vericam, you can talk, I mean, we can talk all about these different cameras mm -hmm. and these bodies and sensors and processors, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the, um, Thomas was the guy that we talked to at Red, and he did, he said something that just stuck with me, which is totally true. And he says, you can have all these different cameras, but it's the lens is the most important part of it. Yeah. Because the lens is what's going to give you that look. Yeah. And that's what I've been preaching for a year and a half. Yes, now. absolutely. And he pulled out this chart. Yeah. And it, it had the LF on there, obviously a competitor. Sure. Because the red has the Monstro, which is of his yeah. division size. And, 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 he, and he went down the list of, of lenses that were compatible versus lenses that aren't compatible on the different things. And that mm -hmm. was the thing that stood out to me in my mind. Now I didn't get over to the RE booth and, you know, and look through all of that. And I know that, I know that there's adapters for just about everything. Yeah. But he said the, the list that he had on that was, is that there are limitations on what lenses there are for RE. sure right now. Yeah. And he was like, you know, if you, you, in, in, the, in the laundry list of lenses that were that you could use on the red was a lot longer yeah and i thought huh that's you know from a filmmaker standpoint and again he came he came at it with the you know that aspect this is that you want to be able to go hey i i want this you know Options. Th this zeiss yeah. 50 for this shot you know and i want you know this like whatever and and he says, your options are limited. And I'm like, oh, great selling point for, for your camera. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but. Uh, I mean, Red, yeah, yeah, Red just, has the, lens, the interchangeable lens mounts. Yeah. Um, which not everybody has nearly as many options as them. Um, and Red is the modular system. It's the, right. they're the modular kings yeah. of, of cameras. But, you know, um, Airy, I think you I think you can get an EF mount on them now. And. Uh, you know, uh, Panasonic doing the Vericam, you can do EF and PL on those. But yeah. for the most part, yeah, Airy is PL. But you know, I I love I love Red. Um, I've shot on them a few times, and it's it's a fun camera to shoot with. I think the user interface is just next level. It's so easy. Oh, and they to use. and so they've and, and they've improved on that interface yeah. where you can actually preload LUTs. Yeah, yeah, and so you can get. A, you know a, a graded shot directly out of the camera that doesn't that, and it doesn't bake it in it right? doesn't yeah. bake it in so you can get one file out yeah. with the with your with your with your grading or with your let treatment and then you get another raw file oh you get like a proxy the, with yeah the grade. that's cool yeah i was yeah, like wow this is we've been doing something cool. similar we haven't been doing proxies with it but we've been doing something similar with our atomos we we're, we're previewing with a lut and then we're recording s log too but yeah um yeah it's as much as i love the red and it is cheaper it's a much cheaper system than the alexa if you want to get into it well um, less expensive sorry i wouldn't yes, call less red expensive. cheaper <laughs> no no it is less expensive by about 10 maybe fifteen thousand dollars. yeah um but there i uh, you know, if, if somebody if somebody gave me the money, I would choose an Airy all day. An Airy with some anamorphic lenses, and uh, it's just I, uh, there's something about the look. Airy has perfected that film look straight out of camera. Yeah, I know I can do a lot. You know, somebody was telling me um, that they were with a DP, and he was saying that he knows he can get a good image out of the red in post. 
But what he loves about the airy is that it's a good image from the start. Like he doesn't yeah. have to do anything on set. And it's, it's really, um, you know, it, it really amps up the team and the crew when you're on set and you see that image immediately yeah. and you're just like, Oh, you're stoked at what you're shooting. And I get that. I, I totally understand that. And it makes sense. Um, I just wish it was a little cheaper to get into the area system. Yeah, you know? no doubt, no doubt. Um, you know, you bring up anamorphic lens. Yeah, let's talk anamorphic <laughs> lenses because I fell in love this year. Man, the anamorphic lenses are amazing. I had an anamorphic lens on my phone. Yeah, but not that quite the shooting. same. Not exactly the same, no. but still an anamorphic lens. A little and, cheaper. And it was funny because um, I, I just got it a couple weeks ago, yeah. and I've been trying to tinker around with it. I think you, and you made fun of me because when yeah, you saw you me using it, I had it sideways, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, dude, watch this. It totally distorts. <laughs> and it was distorting, obviously, because I wasn't using the app, and the app that squeezes makes, it, it squeezes, de-squeezes, it, de-squeezes right. and gives it, that, it yeah. gives it the treatment that it needs. And I was using the regular app, but it still had this cool effect. So I might use that. Yeah. You know, sure. it was it was a happy accident discovery. If I'm yeah. ever shooting some like kind of um, dreamy dream, sequence or something, like or or, or, dr- or drunk, drunks. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. You know, yeah. like the the uh, the scene that they shot in um, Umbrella Academy when they're oh, at the club yeah. and the guys on drugs yep. and that kind of thing, and it gives you that. Feel. I'm like, dude, this is cool. Or you drank too much or whatever. Yeah. But uh, so. I wasn't super comfortable using it, obviously, in the beginning. And then, so I brought it because I thought, yeah, I, you know, I, I need to keep using it, get the reps yeah, in, and, yeah. and get more comfortable with it. And so I shot one interview with Deity Microphones. I started the interview without it, and the it, it was just too tight. Like, I had to stand, like, right next to the guy to... to um, to get in the shot and to have a conversation, it just looked uncomfortable. Right. Because, you know, it was like personal space. But then as the show went on, I exclusively used the anamorphic lens, which obviously gives you a lot more field of view and mm-hmm. it's wider and um, shooting at tw- 24, 4K, even, yeah. oh, even yeah. on the phone. I mean, it's a moment lens and shout out to the moment guys do this it makes it so much better. Yeah. So if you're unfamiliar with what an anamorphic lens is, I'm going to give you a quick breakdown. So yes. an anamorphic lens is, um, it, it looks from the outside just like a normal lens. Um, but what it is, is it has the um, the glass in the barrel system, which the barrel system is just the length of the lens, um, is more oval shaped as opposed to spherical. Right. Um, and so what that does is it brings in a, it's a real squeezed image. So if you were to take a photo or a video and just take the left and the right side and then mash them in, you know, about 35%, um, you know, everybody gets really skinny and and tall and and distorted. And, Mm -hmm. um, but what the anamorphic lens is doing is it's giving you that cinematic 235 ratio where you yes. see the black bars on the top and the bottom, yep. but it's using Super the wide. full yeah. sensor yeah. of the camera that you're using so that you're not losing any resolution. Um, a lot of times people will just shoot on their 4K or their 1080 camera, and then in post, they'll add the black bars on the top and bottom. Yeah. Well, effectively, you're losing you know 720 lines of resolution to that. Right, yeah. Um, because you're just cropping it, essentially. Yep. Um, so what an anamorphic lens does is it gives you that crop, but it's not a real crop. It's actually filming that image with black bars on the top and bottom naturally. 
and using the full readout of that sensor resolution. So you're getting the best image that you can while still keeping that look. Yeah. So then you then you're then you're stuck with de squeezing. Yes, which you have to, yeah, either your camera has to be able to do or you just right. have to do it in post. Yeah. Uh, really easy to do. I mean, there's there's plugins and stuff now that you just you drag and drop it on there and it does it. Right. And for, for so I use Filmic Pro. Yeah. And they have a, an option to de-squeeze. On your iPhone, yeah, right. Yeah, you have to select mm -hmm. that particular lens and then it does the de-squeeze for you in-app. That's cool. So that... And as well as Moment does the same, the Moment yeah. app does the same thing. You can select a particular lens that you're using, That's and cool. if it's anamorphic, it'll de-squeeze. Yeah. But um, it's not recommended to de-squeeze in app. It's recommended to de-squeeze in post. Sure, because so you're gonna get, doing a compression or something. Yeah. Can you preview in de-squeeze, but, but record in squeezed? Uh, that's a good question. Okay. I, I don't, I don't I'd know. be curious because it would be hard to frame up a shot squeezed and then, you know, not know what you're really shooting. Right. Um, so I guess you could frame it up, turn on de-squeeze and then turn it back off to record. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, yeah. So what else did you see in NAB that really grabbed your attention? Um, well, there was two things that really jumped out at me. Uh, the, so right off of the bat, I ended up in the Sony booth and. Did you see that screen? Oh, the liquid oh crystal gosh. LED, uh, or it wasn't liquid? Oh, it was, it was an like 8K crystal LED, crystal LED yeah. screen, and it was like twenty by fifty. By Dude, 10 it didn't or look like you were watching a screen. It no, looked like you were actually watching real life. It was incredible. That was bananas. Did you see the Gran Turismo video game? They showed like a Gran Turismo uh, video game in eight K. No, I and didn't it was, see that. I, it blew my. We sat there for thirty minutes watching just everything they had to offer. I watched. I watched the one they had. The one with the the girl that was mopping. Yeah, and did then the she dance starts dancing. Thing. It, that that was really cool. The confetti looked incredible. It, oh, it was. I wanted it to be a single shot though. I know. I did too. I was like, yeah. in the beginning, it started yeah. off as a single shot, and I'm like, oh, dude, they're doing this in a single. Ah, oh, yeah. And cut, cut, cut. I'm like, oh, but man. it was. It, it's an amazing image. I mean, it was like watching an OLED screen on crack dude like, it was you you if you sat there long enough yeah you you didn't feel like you were watching so i was watching the the luau where they had the fire yes the, the yes. fire guy yeah and i mean and it wasn't one of those like ultra hd where you can see the pores and mm -hmm. it was too you know it was, it was too, too unrealistic right? it was yeah, too yeah. crisp and yeah. it was like not what your eyes naturally going to mm -hmm. see it wasn't that it you felt like I'm sitting in front of the guy right. like at the luau and he's actually and the fire's going and you know oh, wow. sands the smell and the heat from the fire you felt like you were sitting right there. Yeah. It was nuts. They showed um they showed some film stuff too though and it didn't feel like I, my my biggest concern with this kind of technology is that we're going to lose the filmness of things. So we're going to lose that kind mm. of projector mm -hmm. vibe. You know what I mean? So like when when you're watching um, something on a TV and you don't have smooth motion turned off or something, or it just it looks a little uh, too yeah. good, yeah, and you, you kind of lose the organicness of film. So like when I go to when I go to the movies and I go to a tentpole movie, I go to a, you know the, this theater called the Cine One, and it's a 4K projection, and it's 80 foot screen, um, and it's the best experience I've laser projection, laser right? projection, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. That I've had so far um, in, a, in a in a theater. Um, but it still feels like I'm in a theater and I'm and I'm in film. You know, I'm watching a film. 
Um, my concern with this was that it wasn't going to feel like because this is the future. This is what all theaters are going to move to eventually. Is going to they're going to move to these big LED screens because one, they're cheaper in the long run. Yeah, as far as to maintain yeah. and mm-hmm. and keep up with, um, the resolution is high. It in it and you know you, you're not spending you're not spending two hundred thousand dollars on a on a four K laser projector now. You're spending thirty thousand dollars a panel and yeah, it, you know, it's a, I don't think they would. I I think the film look is gonna still be a thing. Yeah, but I think it's gonna be intentional. So now well, it becomes what I was saying, more intentional. Yeah. What kind of what kind of look that you're delivering is yeah. going to be way more intentional. Like you want that grainy film that, that just, yeah. um, you know, that, that more analog yeah. kind of feel that you'll still be able to get that. Well, that's, that's what I was getting in, to yeah. was that when I was watching, they had, they had, I can't remember what it was, but they had something on there that was, that was clearly shot for cinema, like for a film, uh, for a theater. And it, it didn't feel like a TV and I was like, "This is it. This is this is the future. Yeah. This this is what I want. I don't want vibrating chairs and and smellovision and you know what I mean. Like these, these all these companies are trying to do weird sound things. Or I I want you know Dolby Atmos, which mm-hmm. is just incredible sixty four speakers or whatever, and a picture quality that leaves me just." breathtaking like yeah like i just want the best well, picture you're I can fully see. immersed exactly in what you're watching i don't like, i don't need yeah. have, you, have you seen this other thing i think barco's doing it where it's like this weird like 180 degree screen thing and they extend out the screen so there's actually screens on the sided walls also oh, and it extends well, out the scene well, that was a that was a ride at disneyland yeah um, well, that's what i'm saying like though is 360 yeah. degrees and you in and so you can this look is my or, problem yeah. my problem with this is like that's not what i want no now you're doing gimmicks 3d's a gimmick this is that was a gimmick you know these these moving vibrating chairs that's a gimmick yeah the d-box i don't chairs. i don't want yeah. that i just want to sit there in my nice now leather recliner, which is fine. With a blanket. I don't mind it. No, blankets. No, you keep your blankets at home. You keep your damn blankets at home. Sorry, you keep I your fixed. shoes on and you keep your blankets at home. I'm tired of that crap in my theater. Keep your damn shoes on. This has been a PSA from Zach Abbott's about theater etiquette. We just struck a chord. I don't want to talk about it because I'm going to get so angry about it. Oh, okay. I'm at Shazam. This lady four rows, four seats down, takes her shoes off and then reclines back. So her feet are just right behind someone's head, and it's disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. And then somebody else had like their pajamas and then a blanket. And I'm pretty sure somebody brought a pillow. Yeah. And I was well, just like, what you are you doing? Blanket and pillow at IPix. <laughs> what are you doing? You're not at home. That's true. It's disgusting oh, and it's annoying funny. and I can't stand it. <laughs> and if I could have an 80 foot screen in my house, I'm I would so never go to a theater. I'm a pillow and a blanket next movie I'm never we going go to, to a movie with you. <laughs> Speaking of which, we are going to have to go to a movie together in, in the summer because my wife will not go see Godzilla. Okay. Oh, you brought up Godzilla. Here is my problem with Godzilla. Oh, no. I grew up watching Godzilla on the TV. The original. Here's the yes, problem. I did too. Godzilla's head is too small in proportion. The original Godzilla's head much bigger 
the Godzilla that we have now in the poster, it's like huge, well, massive body, tiny little head. I think, like, I mean, no, isn't that the way a lizard is, though? No, but he's not a lizard. He's Godzilla. It's not. Okay. I mean, I, I, dude, you know no. what? You know what? Yeah. All right. Point taken. Like, but here's, here's, it, bo- it, it, it bothers be, it me. It could be a little bigger. It could be a little bigger. I'll say that. For but sure. What they, proportionately. But they don't have to shove a. Japanese guy in the suit anymore. That's true. They so don't. The doesn't but man, as as at least human. it should be proportionate okay. to the rest of his body. I'll give you that. But how epic uh, does this new Godzilla I, look? I'm, I, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So you and I are going to have to okay, go. Okay. Let's do it. All I'm right. going to bring my blanket. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's going to be fun. All right. Moving on. Um, so Sony. So back to the Sony. Oh, booth. Yeah. We had a whole reason for this. We got sidetracked by the crystal yeah. LED. And it was very easy to get sidetracked by that. It was Gorgeous. massive. I mean, how big was that screen? I think it was like 20 by 15 yeah, or something like that. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. I was like, yes, let's have one of these. Yeah. But what really what really got me excited, and I actually did an interview video with Eldeen of Sony, and it was the new RX-02. Mm-hmm. And it's their little action cam. And I'm not going to say action cam going forward just because of the size. Because it's really a lot more than that. They is use, it bigger than a GoPro or is it about the um, same size? It's about the same size. It might be a little thicker. Yeah. Um, it has an articulating screen. So it has a flip-up screen. Right. So and it's you waterproof can, now. Waterproof to, to 33 feet. Which so is crazy because like was, was the first one waterproof also? It was more water resistant. Okay, this one, um, yeah. This, you can this drop one, it they're, they're saying... I mean, this is a GoPro competitor yeah, now. It fully is. Yeah. And... The sensor is a one-inch sensor. Yes, this so is big. It's like what? Like the like the sensor size is almost the full size yeah. of the camera. Um, Carl Zeiss twenty-four mil four K, so you can essentially um, clear image zoom to forty-eight mm-hmm. K, so two X without any loss, and uh, just an amazing little camera. Has has inputs. Um, for for external Mic, yeah, microphone, right. um, HDMI out, I HDMI think. out. Yeah. Yep. So this you is could the put an Atomos Ninja yeah. Five on the thing. I've seen people and, do it. And, and yeah, they have a little cage. Small rig makes a cage, uh-huh. which I got to see. Small rig. Shout out to Small Rig at NAB. Those guys are awesome. Um, yeah, Small Rig makes a cage for it. I, I'm I was really impressed with this camera. Um, I mean, I hate GoPro. I like, I absolutely cannot stand the look of it. Um, it it looks so actiony cam to me. Um, I don't like the look of it. I think their compression is absolute garbage. Um, the only thing they have going for them is that image stabilization. Oh, the image stabilization is, just incredible. is awesome. Yeah. Um, the the RX zero two isn't nearly as good, but it does have it. Um, but that one inch sensor and just I don't know. I, I, if I had to rig up a car with a bunch of GoPros or something, I would do. So in proud Mary, in proud Mary, they did. They put like six of these all over the car, okay. and they crashed the car. Oh wow! And the they the, the footage was amazing, yeah. and and they're shooting on FS five twos and FS fifty fives or F fifty five F fifty fives, and um. And because it has S log, they're they're the footage. Yeah, they're matching. Yeah, it, right. It, the footage matches, and it, it's like you don't know it's coming from this tiny little camera, other than it's in a place where you're right. not going to put a big. Yeah, you can't put a big camera. In um, and the 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 camera survived. I mean, it's just yeah. amazing. I'm like, here's the other part. There's a 
a networking module that they sell where you can network together up to a hundred of these. That's things. right. So you can make a big array and do a kind of like a bullet time thing, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you can do, or you can do a, an array of them in a, in, in more of a, uh, like a studio and kind of a layer instead oh, oh, gotcha. of, instead of a linear oh, so line, them. you can stitch them together Interesting. in a layer. So that. you can look, you can, you can get different, angles i mean it's just you could do 360 with so it so many yeah. things i mean there's things you know there's a uh, radiant images is, oh, man. is doing yeah. some amazing things with these cameras yep. doing that type of thing and i'm like yeah my mind just started going i'm like man what other kind of really cool things if could you, you do with these things if you don't follow radiant imaging on instagram you go do it right now because absolutely some of the stuff that they're doing some of the head head camera mounts yeah, Th that company is incredible, and I, I talk to them every year at Cinegear. Just an amazing company that's thinking so far outside the box. Yeah, I love those guys. So yeah, go check them out. Radiant Imaging. And this this particular camera is is like I said, I'm not going to refer to it as an action camera anymore because it's more of a legit filmmaking tool. Yeah. It now it's not going to replace a a big full camera where yeah. you're, you it it's not for that. But it is a legit filmmaking tool. Whereas in, in a GoPro situation, I wouldn't say that because yeah. you're not you're not getting um, any kind of log files out of the out of the GoPro. It is a true action camera. That's what it was built for. Um, the Sony compression for the video codec is much better than the it, GoPro yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, it's the the processor that they're using in this is the same that they're using in the FS series. Right. So it's. It's a yeah. yeah. Uh, this the thing that excites me most about cameras like this is the future of them. Yeah. Because you had the first one, the RX Zero, that came out. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, they're trying to you know, trying to compete with the GoPro and that form factor. Um, and then this one comes out, and you're like, oh man, this is this is a legit one. Now it's like, where where is it going to go from here? So oh, I yeah. mean, the progression and the evolution of this is going to just be incredible. And I think one of the one of the issues with the the first version of this was is that your your focal distance it was it was a little bit further out like yeah. you couldn't focus if it was inside like 2 feet or something I like think, that but now so. it's down to 8 uh 8 little under 8 inches yeah so it's like seven and a half, seven point two 7.2 inches it will focus in a, a lot shorter which that's throw. great and yeah. so the yeah, I just think about the applications for this. My my mind is is I'm like, man, I want to go go out and buy like a dozen of I these know. and just link them together and yeah. start doing some. I think they're stuff. what five hundred or four hundred and fifty each. They're six ninety nine. Okay. Yeah. So they're not they're not cheap. Um, but you know, I when I look at something like that, when I when I look at price point. I, I compare the value, like what are you getting for sure. the dollar? And yeah. to me, what's more important is getting a great value. And I think the value in what you get in this camera is, is a lot more than what the price point is. Sure. Like I think the value in this is really high. Yeah. I mean, it's $300 more than a GoPro, but you're getting a lot more for $300 than you are the GoPro, you know? Yeah. So um, another thing that I saw um, that I, I that was announced before NAB started was um, there's this company that used to be called Razer Seven. Um, now they're just called Razer. Um, they make an, a camera, or sorry, a light, uh, an LED Fresnel called the Razer Seven. That's one of their models. Um, they announced this LED, these LED panel line that they're going to do called the MCs, and um, LED panels 
uh, that do RGB, which is red, green, blue, and different colors and stuff. They're kind of all the rage now. You know, Airy, yeah. Airy kind of came out of the gate swinging hard with their sky panels. Yeah. Um, but they're so expensive. I mean, they they're so expensive. I get it. They're great. They're DMXable. You know, you can control them from whatever an app and stuff. But, um, you know, us guys like us, we need we need the alternatives. So um, I was really excited when Razer announced this. I was able to check it out. Um, and these lights are awesome. Soft. Um, soft light when you're doing daylight and tungsten. Um, the RGBs are really cool. Um, they come in two different sizes and the price point's right. I mean, right now, I think they have a deal going on where you can get this, the one by one for, I, I think, like uh, $8.99 or $9.99 or something like that. It's yeah. cheap. Uh, you know, under $1,000 for an RGB, uh, you know, with white and tungsten for less than $1,000 is insane. Um, and the yeah. output was really high. I was just really impressed. I've been really impressed with this company, the Fresnel, the Razor 7 that they make. Um, there's not a whole lot of Fresnel LEDs out there that have yeah. a high output. Um, yeah. I don't know why people aren't making them. Um, but I when you know I like shooting through cloth, um, you know, diffusion and not just uh, an open light to people. So I'll shoot through nets and diffusion and um, you know uh, frost and stuff like that um, because I do like that softer image. Yeah, um, I like I like the roll off of it. Um, so I need that output. I need that yeah. higher output yep. because you're, you're, you're lo losing stops of light. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I've been really impressed with this company and I was excited to see that they're doing these panels. Um, because from what I've seen from the razor seven, the quality matches the, the price. Yeah. And, um, you get a lot of these, uh, Asian company. I think this is a German company, maybe Swedish. I can't remember originally. Um, but their their American rep is this company called Xylite, and so the Xylite was actually the booth that I went to. But um, the build quality is great. It's not you know it's not the, the thing that I noticed. The common factor here at NAB this year that I noticed was just a, a hundred Chinese or Korean companies yep. making lights and lenses and and stuff that I'm like I don't know if you're quality or not. Yeah. And it's hard for me to say because I there's no way I can access this without buying it, because that's kind of the world that they live in now. Is these indie guys, these smaller fish are they have to buy the light. These aren't right. going to be anything because at a rental point. place. But the price point's so low. But at the yep. same time, it's like why is it so low? Well, and the old adage is always true: you get what you pay yeah. for. Yeah. And in my experience, buying those really cheap lights, you're getting really crappy CRI, really crappy skin tones. Um, and and longevity. And, the longevity yeah, yes. of the build. They start falling apart. Yeah, so you're going to yeah. have to buy four or five of them in the lifetime of what right. a regular, you know, more well-built yeah. light's going to be. There's, there's a saying, I cannot remember where I heard it, but it was something like, um, you know, uh, the guy that buys... Uh, the the hundred dollar shoes and that last for ten years, or fifty dollar shoes that last for ten years, um, you know, is better off than the guy that buys the the ten dollar shoes every year, right? Um, because in the long run, he's he's saving the money because yep. of the quality. Yep. Um. The 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 whatever the parable is better than that. I just I butchered it, but um. No, but you make the point. Yeah, the point is there still. You, you yeah. do get what you pay for. It is such a spend a little bit more. My, you know, it's funny because my wife and I have this the the same thing going back and forth with sunglasses. She was like, "How can you spend two hundred dollars on sunglasses?" Because I did. I've spent two hundred bucks on yeah. my my Oakley Square wires, and right. and and yet I've had them 
for, well, I've had two pairs <laughs> because I, I, the first pair I had for eight years. Right. And this last pair I've had for probably five years. And the right. reason, the re, the reason why I ended up with two and still don't have the first one is because I accidentally took them off and was washing my hands in the bathroom at the airport and left, forgot to put them back on. Oh. And then when I came back 30 minutes later, they were gone. Yeah, of course they were gone. Um, but it wasn't because they were destroyed or <laughs> I broke them or anything of that yeah. nature. It was user error. <laughs> and I, and I, and I, I'm trying to be mindful and a lot more careful because I know they're expensive. Yeah. But they last longer. Her mindset is, I'm going to buy the $10 cheap glasses because I know I'm going to break them and scratch them and beat them up. And when they break, then I'm not worried about it. I just go get another $10 pair, Um, which is, it's not right or wrong. It's just a different approach. Sure. Um, Yet she's probably spent more money on sunglasses than I have. Bought more than 20 pairs, you think? Right, yeah. yeah. So, you know, she's gone through, you know, 25 or 30 pairs of those in the same 15 year period where I've only gone through two. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's same idea. It's so interesting how many companies there are now building things and man, you know, there's, there's the big names and they're the big names for a reason and their prices are higher um, just because they are that name a little bit, you know, but um, at the same time, there's a reason. Yeah, yeah there's a reason, and for the that. quality of the build, like yeah. So yeah. there's there's definitely that. I think so. For me, uh, another thing that really stood out, the guy that I've met recently, um, he his name's Pat Flynn, and his partner Caleb, they came up with this new tripod. Oh right, and it's really targeted at the vlogger, you know, kind mm-hmm. of like the one man show, you know, the the that most Selfie vloggers style, yeah, and yeah most vloggers are using the Joby gorilla pods right and they're great for what they are because you can put them anywhere you can wrap them around a tree branch you can wrap them around a fence you can a pole or whatever yeah and and put it in a place where you can kind of stabilize it and then step away from it or whatever right um they're not direct competing against that but they are providing a product that was focused for that particular user and um uh, it's it's a billet aluminum but the material the material it's like a flat black it's the texture of it's really great it's a it's like super light it's like it's, 11 grams or it's something. about like eight, eight or nine inches long too. yeah I mean, it's yeah not it's huge oh yeah, is, oh is it that big yeah okay. it's like it's like mm, for those that aren't in the room maybe maybe 12 Okay. If, you know, it's a foot long or so. It's got a really nice arc. It, yeah. you know, the back side of it's got finger grips carved into it, but it flattens to like an inch. Yeah, and not even an inch. Wow. It's, it flattens down to probably less than a half inch. So if you're if you want to stick it in your bag, easy to put in your bag. Yeah. Um, and then it folds out. It could be a nice tabletop s- scenario, but very comfortable to hold out and has a nice arc to you know. Right self film or whatever uh it's called switch pod okay um, and you can find them at switchpod.com um but just a great it was really cool to talk to him about the process of how this came about right and even kind of where the bring, need came br- from and, and bringing a new product to market yeah. and all the different iterations um and uh 
tests that they did, uh, you know, different market tests as they were developing it. And I think they landed on a really great product, which is cool. And I got to actually hang out with Pat. I interviewed him a little bit, got to actually hold one and play around with it in person in the wild. So that is, that is the big draw to NAB Cinegear. I mean, there's the Cinegear in Atlanta as well, but, um, you know, the one that I go to is in LA and it's the networking, it's the talking to people. It's the, you know, uh, hearing from these industry leaders, um, firsthand, not just, you know, listening to something on YouTube or on a podcast. Hey, podcast. Um, but you know, just (laughs) really, you got to find out about it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you got to find out, but, um, that's that's always my favorite part. I mean, last year I got to go to a master class from uh, the the cinematographer for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Yes, and I got to talk to him and I got to ask him questions. And you know, then everybody else that was there, I got to talk to them and ask them questions. And yep. it's these guys that are, you know, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it all with Phil Holland, but he's the guy that does um, basically all of your Apple TV screensavers that are of like oh, yeah. drone footage. Mm-hmm. That's him. It's not drone. It's actual helicopter, but. Um, he's shooting, I think almost all of those. Did him. you see the, the helicopter that they had? Yeah. That I'm like, so want one did of those. You see the Lamborghini? I did. Which one? Oh, I only saw the one, okay. the shot over one. So they had the Lamborghini with the, the, the gimbal yeah. camera yeah, in the, the shot over the on the front. front. Right. Um, but they also had the Lamborghini SUV. With, oh, I didn't see that yes, one with the motor crane arm or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Oh, maybe it, I did see it, but I thought it was a I thought it was a Porsche or something. No, that was, but a, it was the Lamborghini. Was a Lamborghini right? yeah. I saw one of those. This is a car podcast now. <laughs> uh, I saw one of those Lamborghini SUVs last night driving down the I ten. I was like, that thing's cool looking. Like it looks yeah. much better than the was it the Cayenne or whatever the Porsche one is. Oh, the Pan. Uh, or no, yeah, 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 the right, Cayenne. yeah. And then Ferrari has one too, and it looks weird. I don't like it. Yeah, it's, it's weird that all these supercar companies are getting into SUVs now. It's like, what are you doing? I guess they're all owned by actual car companies. So who yeah. Knows? Uh, anyway, moving on. <laughs> back hey, but away it's from, a film tool. That's because true. You're putting a camera on. It is it the and... world's fastest film camera. Yeah. Now the, that Lamborghini. <laughs> uh, I've seen footage with it. Um, there's a guy that I follow online that his company they shoot commercials and stuff. They've used it a couple times for some shoots and it's just insane. Like just seeing that thing going down the road or I think they had it in the desert, like a uh, salt flats, you know, mm-hmm. Oh, it's just incredible seeing that thing just roaring down with a giant camera on it. But, mm-hmm. um, really incredible. Um, I think, you know, NAB, um, I don't know if I'll go next year. Uh, I might, it might be an every other year type of a thing. Yeah. Uh, or if I do, I might go on like, the back end of it instead of the front end uh, where there's less people, you know, maybe on just, just a Thursday. Um, there's, there's too many people now for how little I'm kind of getting out of it. Yeah. I actually might go to the, the one in New York next year yeah. because the one in New York has a more streaming focus. Okay. Yeah. Um, not that that's all that's there, but that's like the online stream is is kind of really more the general focus mm-hmm. of that particular. So that's kind of more where I live um, as far as my regular job responsibility. So I'm thinking that that might be a better 
uh, use of my time sure. as far as that goes. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see. But Cinegear, looking forward to that. Yes. That's coming up. That'll be end of May, um, and we'll do an episode on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that. That's that's my favorite thing. I mean, just you're on the Paramount back lot. You're with industry professionals um, that are only focused on film. You know, yeah. There's no broadcast stuff. There's, no, there's not a whole wing of the convention center dedicated to satellite dishes, you know. Um, and all the trucks. Did all you the see truck. all the just, trucks outside? There were so many. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't care. Uh, which is fine. I mean, there's there's people that do, so that's fine. You know, it's yeah, just, and there's it's a lot of stuff. It, yeah, it's kind of a yeah. mix, mixed um, bag. That, that's, that's always been my issue with NAB, is that you'll go through, you know, Central or South Hall, and it's like, I can't, are you broadcast or are you film? Like, I don't know what your company is doing. Right. Um, is it anything pertaining to me? I wish, I wish there was a little bit more uh, separation in, yeah. in the halls. Um, yep. I wish they would, it seems, it does seem like central is mostly the film stuff now. Um, there's not a whole lot of broadcast stuff. Yeah, I didn't really get to any of the other halls, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, South, I did, South is mostly software. I walked through South for a second. Yeah, I got to, uh, side note on that, it was a South Hall. I sat down for Adobe, had a booth, and um, they always do. That is that's that is the one downside, I will say, to Cinegear, is Cinegear doesn't have any software stuff yet. Mm-hmm. That's going to change. Um, yeah. As the bigger Cinegear gets, the the more, you know, Adobe's going to have to start showing up. Cinema 4 is going to have to start showing up. Yep. Um, a little more post-production stuff. Avid's going to have to show up. Um, but I sat down at Adobe, and I listened to the two editors, uh, an assistant editor and then one of the main editors for um, the FX show Atlanta, which is Donald Glover's show. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how they cut episodes and, um, you know, they, they turn around an episode in five days, basically. Wow. And the production is, I, I think I'm like just post, just post is five days. Okay. They, that's, that's from like, um, getting footage to, you know, like a, a rough export, mm-hmm. um, mixing and color grades, not done that fast, oh, okay. but they're say, doing, man, yeah, that's I know. Crazy. So, but what's crazy is they have two main editors. So one editor is doing an episode and the other editor is doing it in another episode. So they're, they're cutting two episodes simultaneously. And I think I heard this right. It um, it's nine days of production to shoot two episodes. Hmm. So they're shooting. I'm pretty sure Atlanta's thirty minute episodes, mm-hmm. and they're shooting two episodes every nine days. Wow, which is insane. That is insane. So they were talking about Hiro. Um, I, I I always get his last name wrong. Hiro Miyaki, I think. Uh, I'm probably wrong. And then um, he's the director of every episode. Um, and then Christopher uh, Spencer is the cinematographer for every episode. And they have such a vision that the editors say it doesn't, they don't, you know, they don't have a whole lot to work with in the post side, which is a good thing because, I mean, sometimes you want other options. But when you have, I don't know if you ever watch Atlanta, but if you ever watch Atlanta, it's. No. It is is a show that you can tell is just vision casted perfectly from, from the beginning, the beginning to, yeah, from post production till you know air, and it, well, when you have that, it makes right. the back end a lot right. more so seamless. So the yeah. director, you know, Hero and and Christopher and and, and Donald Glover especially, because you know he's writing the episodes with with uh, you know other people, and um, they have such an idea and such a vision for the show that they know what it needs to be. They right. know exactly what the shots need to be that they're getting, you know, and they've done that post-production. They've done those conversations and it makes it easier, but, but harder for the editor 
in in the back end because it's like it's their ball to drop they said they said you know we have these incredible images we have these amazing takes um but it's up to us to make sure that you know it's cut how it needs to be and the pacing is where it needs to be and um he said it gets so deep into it hero does that he knows how long a shot needs to be like when he's shooting it he's thinking of the edit along with them yeah. on set and he's saying i want this shot to hang here for this long you know and, and stuff's happening in it it's not like it's just a shot to be moody you know right. not yeah. all the time I mean, sometimes but um it's just incredible to think of like that's that's the caliber that those guys are at yeah. is that they're they're from post-production till air date they've thought of everything and and it's a vision that they have being executed to just one of the highest levels I've seen. I mean, Atlanta is an incredible show. And that's, and that's what makes, you know, the process of, of filmmaking. If you, if you start your pre-production with a very clear vision and, and a very well-planned and well-thought-out approach, right, you know, and, uh, storyboarding and whatever every element that needs to go into into the the pre-production plan because the more the more you can do that on the front end the less issues and the less time it's going to take on the back end yeah i mean you're always going to have things on set that you need to fix or work on sure. or, or adapt but sure having that great framework from the beginning and then being able to adapt if you need right. to. I mean, that that's what, that's the mark of a good filmmaker. So. Right. And, and I don't, and I don't want to say that in the sense of necessarily script. Sure. Because there, we also have the example of a lot of the, um, there's, uh, there's plenty of examples where the script is maybe a little bit looser and, and yeah. they want to rely on the, the talent to maybe bring some improvisation, yeah, where they some organicness, yeah, to it, sure. and they're like, "Hey, let's this is this is the framework, yeah." So, um, so there's that. So it's not about like, "Hey, let's let's get down to granularity in 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 every every script, you know, we're scripting every." dot and every right. yeah. cross yeah, on you're the not, T. Yeah, you're not putting exact shots and movements and everything. You need a little a little fluidness in that. Right. And I think that um but again, that's planned. Right. So I'm right. planning to because of the talent I've hired. Yeah. And that's not just front front of the line. It's also behind the line. Yeah. And because of those particular I, we've selected those specific people and 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 to be in that space to bring what they bring. Yep. And, and that's part of the planning. Um, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want, I'm reiterating that point because I don't want to, to, to say that, Oh, it's got to be micromanaged. Right. It's got to be so minutely planned on every, like, no, there, you know, there's a balance. Right. Yeah, yeah, and there's a balance. I mean, and, and you can see it when it works, and you can see it when it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, that was a you know that's about it. I think for NAB 2019. Is there anything else you wanna you wanna talk about? Um, there was one more product that really jumped out at me. I've got one more too. So yeah, all right. Well, we'll hit we'll hit we'll what, hit one more, and then we'll bounce. What's uh, yours? The Rode Wireless Go. These are cool. 
the, the it's probably the smallest um so far it's being touted as the world's smallest wireless lav yeah so it's it, it's literally a cube that's like a little over an, an inch like about by a an silver inch dollar size where yeah and um seven and a half hour battery life wow um, it's a two hour charge. Is it an internal battery then? Um, there is an internal battery. Okay, There's, yeah. It's a transmitter receiver yep. block, just like you would see on any, any wireless microphone setup or wireless lab setup. It does have a, a 3.5 mil or, or eighth inch jack for an external mic to be plugged in. Oh, okay. So you can do an on camera. You know, put your microphone. Right. You okay. can do it. Sure. You can use it as a belt pack. You can actually, and there's an internal microphone as well. So, oh wow! Okay, so, so we'll scratch. So you audio. can just yeah. So Interesting. well, and it's not just scratch audio. Yeah. So I, there's there's a friend of mine that came along uh, that I that came along to NAB with us. Um, his name's Ryan Nelson, and he does RYM photography. Really great product photographer. Yeah, go check him out on Instagram. And. Um, he did a, a comparison video of a shotgun mic, uh, actually a Rode Video Mic Pro shotgun mic, and this new Wireless Go, and in a very noisy environment of the NAB show floor. Right, and it sounds amazing. Wow. Okay. I mean, it's not it's not a thousand dollar mic no. shotgun setup, but but when you when you're doing the comparison, here's the thing: ease of use small compact size like i'm walking up hey i can put this clip on it's yeah. it's very inconspicuous we can have a discussion and it sounded great right for yeah what it was it, it it's it's great for those those show floor interviews or the you know the street interviews and and vloggers and stuff you know it's that's definitely what it's targeted to absolutely yeah it sounds like a really cool piece of gear i'm i'm interested the price points right around 200 dollars. yeah it's yeah. 199 yeah they're gonna fly off the they shelf. are they are yeah um the other the last thing that i have is um back to anamorphics um i mentioned that i fell in love at nab 2019 and yeah you did sorry wife i, I love you but um there is another and uh it is the atlas lens co anamorphics the uh, orion anamorphics and <sighs> if 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 you could only see the yeah. the hearts in zach's oh, eyes right now <laughs> the glimmer in my eyes um these are gorgeous these are absolutely stunning anamorphic lenses for eight thousand dollars now i know you might be listening and thinking eight thousand dollars for a lens that's insane um the comparison is a cook anamorphic for seventy five thousand dollars right. and an airy anamorphic for 92 right so that's the world that we're living in yeah. um where other companies big companies that um now don't get me wrong i love the cook look uh cook look is a thing for a reason and i absolutely love it um, but I am not about to spend that much money on an anamorphic, right? Um, where I can buy a whole set of these for the same price, exactly. And they're EF and PL mounts, and they're absolutely gorgeous. And the image quality they had, uh, they had a black magic camera and a red and an airy, and uh, they all looked just incredible. The 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 bokeh, the oval bokeh, and um, skin tones and the, the whatever coating that they're putting on this glass is, is just gorgeous and it's beautiful and I love it. 
and um, I am going to figure out a way to get a set of these. Yeah, they're they're just incredible. Yep. So that was my favorite thing um, to get my hands on at NAB. Um, a lot of little things, you know. I I, I said earlier, you know, it, I didn't really get a whole lot of it. That's not entirely true, you know. Um, there's some amazing thing. I love gear probably, you know, more than most, but, um, it's hard. It's hard when there's a million people yeah. around the same area. I, I mean, I barely got to touch the new Shogun seven. Um, and, but at Cinegear, I'll be able to talk to people right. that are using it and yep. the Atomos guys and while holding it in my hands. So, yep. um, I'm excited for it. I think, I think NAB has its place, but I might not be there every year anymore. So. Yeah, I think every other year kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, the value in it really isn't about the gear, like you mentioned earlier. The value is really is, is networking. Yeah. The value is in the relationships and being able to connect people. Um, I was able to reconnect with people that I've been connected with before and I fall in, you know, seeing them in person. Um, you know, and it's, it's about the relationships and... Um, we're all, we're all in this, you know, filmmaking camera gear space together, creators, yep. um, manufacturers, and we're all looking for the best value and really where the, the, the greatest value is, is in just the connections. It's the people. I got to meet a couple of filmmakers that I, uh, I've been following for a long time. Super excited about that. Um, Darius Britt and, yeah. and uh, um, Ryan Connolly. And yeah, you're going to have some stuff. Up, yeah, yeah. Right? I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm elbow deep in editing a bunch yeah. of videos for the YouTube channel. So, so those, we'll, those we'll, are coming yeah, soon. Yeah, you'll post stuff to yours. But I think I, I'd love to also post them to the Easy Podcast YouTube. Oh, yeah. Kind of get some stuff on yeah. there. A little cross, cross-pollination. cross Maybe uh, maybe I'll cut a different version that'd so cool. that it's yeah. unique for, yeah, for, for our audience yeah. here. Maybe so. a little longer one for the Easy easy podcast or something yeah we'll we'll figure it out since since that's our our audience you know yeah. some norwegian filmmakers <laughs> guys we love you uh thank you for listening we do so, we're we are we're super grateful yeah. we're 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 nerds we geek out on film filmmaking process gear yeah mcu mostly that, <laughs> and you know a lot of the, i mean we just we love what we do and we're excited about it and um and yeah, and we're grateful to be able to bring you guys along with, with us on this journey and, and bring value, bring value to the experiences that we have and that type of thing. And I think that that's, that's really what makes, uh, makes the podcast really yeah. the most exciting element. It makes it is, fun. Is that it makes it, it's fun for us. Yeah. We're going to do it regardless. Yeah. Whether, no whether it's listening. two people listening or, yeah. or 2000, which, you know, like, please, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're having fun. But bringing that value to, you know, Hey, we want to honor people's time. If they're spending time listening, we want, we want to help share the, the lessons that we're learning, failures, successes, and everything yep. in between, just going along the journey and 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 having fun. Yep. So thanks for listening, guys. Um, Eric, why don't you close us out? All right. Well, thanks again for listening to the 25th episode of the EZ Podcast. And you can find Zach Abbotts on Instagram at Zach Abbotts. You can find me at Eric Thurston on Twitter, IG, and YouTube. 
And you can email us directly if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, or concerns at the Easy Podcast Show at Gmail. <laughs> and until next time. Um, yeah, if you'd like to support the show. Oh, yeah. Head over to anchor.fm slash the easy podcast. Yes, please and, do uh, that so we can keep bringing these amazing episodes and value to you. Yes. And that's about it. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.